guys, hey, guys, Creed fam, Port fam, guys, gals, everyone out there, guess fucking what time it is. It's fucking time. It's fucking time. Win one's on the board. It's fucking time. It's fucking time. I haven't been able to play this song all fucking season. It's fucking time. Johnny Big Redemption like Know what I'm talking about? Hold up whoa, 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 whoa. Get out the way one for the year win one on the board fuck off west coast fuck off luke shoe you dumb ducking fucking cunt fuck off owen fuck off all the crow nuffies in the mansion all of you fuck off we got a win on the board fuck off stoked with that one an amazing win as well as it was a win by 84 points that we didn't just we didn't just fucking win we absolutely fucking stomped on their throats which is what we want to actually see out of this team when we're playing a team that is uh, on paper, even if we uh, going, were going in 0-5, fuck off Owen. Um, we were, we On paper, we were looking at it going, we should be winning this game. This should be where we're getting our season off to a good start, um, a winning start. We should be winning this game. That was kind of, I, I said in my preview, there was no excuses to lose. For any loss in this game, there would be absolutely no excuse for it. It would be, it would be catastrophic to what we think this team can be. But thankfully, we didn't have to worry about it, and it wasn't even a worry. It was over by half time. That's tick one in the box for me. Over by half time, have a team that's well below your standard. Um, just you know, away at half time, great start to great start to how you going around going about it. Um, kind of danced through the third quarter a little bit. Um, they got a little, few goals back to get it back within seven goals at the start of the fourth quarter, and then we just fucking went away with it. Seven goals to finish off the game. Eighty four points, a fourteen goal win. Um, which you know, look. Good teams win big. That's a great tick to where we can be. Look, the, the record still doesn't reflect where the t- kind of team we think we should be. But, um, you know, not too many teams don't win, but like your Melbournes, your Western Bulldogs, those teams get some big wins on the board here and there. And sometimes you have your outlier wins, but generally we don't see too many absolute shit stompings unless it's a good team against a very bad team. So that's kind of the way to start this kind of um, review of the match is to kind of look at it in that context, is that we we put away a bad team. Something we struggled to do at times last year, um, as far as percentage goes. Probably the Carlton match, I think, was the one where we really had a good run. But uh, beyond that, it's, it's something we have struggled to do at times. So that that was really refreshing to me, that we ran out of the game. Um, you know, West Coast, put the, uh, they've got a myriad of issues they're dealing with, obviously, with covid as well as just, I think the team just isn't there mentally because of everything they're going through. Possibly that you know, subconsciously, a lot of the teams just going with well, this season's just fucking done already. So what are we doing? Maybe um, aging list as well. A few aging, and you know, obviously missing some players like Nick Nat and um, Gaff and the Co are, are not in the side at the moment, but they've still got a, f- a fairly decent side there. Um, well, at least uh, some experienced heads there. So you'd think that they could put a bit more effort out, but you know. You can only play what's in front of you on the day, and if the team's not going to put the effort in um, across four quarters and you have a team that has the ability to really punish that, then that's what you've got to do. Get the percentage on the board. That's where my first thing, um, thinking about how we get back into the season. 
Um, obviously, one game doesn't change a huge amount of things, but at least we get the win on the board. Um, we can fuck all the um, winless stuff off and and focus going forward and see, you know, with a tough couple of matches coming up against St. Kilda and the Doggies. Um, but, you know, we've got to start looking and say, all right, the next two weeks is a chance to be three and five, um, as well as the percentage. Um, and yeah, going back to the percentage. Great thing to be boosting percentage whenever we get a chance. We're um, Our percentage is at 93 points something. <laughs> um and that is a kind of, uh, it's only a percentage point and a half behind Adelaide, who are uh, two games ahead of us up in ninth. Um, a few teams ahead of us have got are in the hundreds in the, between uh, 10th and uh, 14th. But uh, uh, we want to be um, building percentage whenever we can because that could be potentially crucial as far as, you know, when, you know, those mid, the mid-pack is often decided by a game or half a game with draws. Often someone, someone in there has usually um, got the benefit of a draw, uh, or, the, or the negative, I guess, um, depending on which side of it you look at it from. But um, percentages usually can be a big factor as well. And uh, I think uh, getting the chance to boost percentage whenever we can is going to be um, with us already um, putting ourselves behind the eight ball uh, with the way we've started our season. Uh, percentage is going to be a big one. So getting getting a big percentage boosting win, I think we boosted our percentage by almost uh, around 18 percentage points uh, just in this game. So a big way to uh, a really great way to um stamp the authority on the win and and get that one on the board um yeah it was just a super impressive win um i'll get i'll just take a quick break here crack a beer to celebrate not crack a beer to commiserate it's finally cracking a beer to celebrate i'm fucking stoked so i'll crack a beer and i'll get into some of the um the 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 points of the match that were really um it's all good stuff really isn't it It's, it's wonderful 84 point win it's all good stuff Yeah, that's the sound we love. Alrighty, um, plenty of stuff to love about this match. Um, not exactly sure where to start with it, but I guess we can just start. Um, you know, forward line is maligned many times. Uh, I, I will not shy away from the fact I have at times criticised. And look, it's just been a, a common theme and uh, criticism of Port Adelaide um, in the past few years is uh, forward line structure and all that stuff. But a massive tick this week. Again, you know, we're playing against a battered team, and but you can only do what's what's in front of you. And when you have two of your key forwards uh, kicking five goals apiece and kicking ten, and kick ten of your eighteen goals scored in the match, which eighteen goals in a match is always a. Um, if you're kicking eighteen goals in a match, you're not losing too often in the in the modern AFL. Um, so that's wonderful. You know, you're not getting the the ninety scores of you know twenty twenty five goals to twenty one or something like that. Um, but yeah, a wonderful uh, tick for the forwards. Um, Todd Marshall probably, um, I think you know, he was a, he was definitely a chance at the the Badco Medal. I think uh, you know Rosie certainly deserved it. I'll get to Rosie, but um, I saw on the website that the you know the fans MVP or whatever the MG MVP as it is known uh, was won by Todd Marshall. And I think that's a great um, credit to both him as well as the fans. Um, you know, he's been a, he's been one that the. Fans have beaten at times, and I've had my criticism at the start of the year. I, I just, I had my, I, I'm not a Todd Basher. I've actually defended him in the stands a few times at games in the past few years. Earlier this year, I just basically just said he just looked a bit off, um, and it wasn't anything about. And I wasn't saying he shouldn't. I just wasn't sure. He seemed a bit slow, a bit like lethargic, lethargic a little bit maybe, and. Um, and just a little bit off, just body language-wise, this week, and, you know, the showdown certainly, but this week, you know, just his crashing, he was leading leading with um, purpose and authority and and 
and no second guessing in his mind. You could just see he there was a there was a purpose in mind. He was confident, a quiet confidence. Um, crashing packs, really confident with his hands and and feet and just and kind of his positioning, and um, yeah, it was like not that I want to see players going off bleeding, but I think it's a good sign when your key forward is kind of um, just confidently swaggy, running off the field, a little bit of claret but coming from under the eye, goes off and just gets himself patched up and then comes back and completes a five goal haul. Um, every kind of goal in there too, you know, he's he's you know taken one handed grabs just beautiful in the square and then kind of turning around quickly around the body and kicking a goal uh the one that impressed me most though was the big one from outside 50 um or just he, he kind of took the mark on the lead a really nice lead um just inside the 50 so by the time he ki- he's kicking it though it's a it's a 50 plus it was probably a 55 meter kick um by the time it clears the line and all that stuff and just the fact that when your forward can go back with authority um it was you know, there was effort in the kick but it looked like he didn't extend himself to the the absolute limit with the kick either you know it's just a beautiful kick from just outside 50 for a goal um i think that's really important when you one of your key forwards can have that ability his kicking's actually been really fucking good this year too um incredibly accurate i don't think he's missed too many he might any he might be like 10 or 11 goals two or something like that for the season like it's just incredible one is you know if he's kicking set shot kicking which is more or less going to be todd marshall's game um at the moment it's just um you can't question it. Um, it's obviously just him getting the position to kick the set shots. That's all, you know, and that's been the thing is like, you know, there's been a few games where he's hardly out of touch, which again, there's more been delivery um, for me than anything. Um, but occasionally, like I said at the start of the year, he just he seemed slightly off the boil. But again, um, I think we were just completely, the entire team was. So, you know, that's what it is. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's just, um, even that last, um, you know, within the last minute, he was like in the forward pocket, just um, slams his foot to the ball to keep it moving towards the um, towards the, towards the the goal. And um, it ends up being, I think, Motlop kicking that last goal of the game there and um, getting his, uh, getting one for him uh, for some quiet efforts that, and one for centers that Stephen Motlop was able to put on, for, put on today as well. Um, today, what am I talking about? It was like four days ago. Um, but yeah, really, really quite impressive uh, game from Todd Marshall. Um, Jeremy Finlayson as well, um, kicking goals that make made even him uh, question what was going on with his little celebration shrugs, um, snaps around the body um, in, in the run of play, uh, set shot goals. Um, you know, a guy that's um, got a, tri- uh, a history of being a good kick, a little bit um, shaky to start his career at Port, but um, kicking five goals two, I think, or five goals three the other night. Um, Again, it was just kind of the start of his. You know, he kicked six goals in the SNFL a few weeks ago for the Maggies. Um, so he has he's shown um, at Port, um, in, you know, obviously in our, at, at the SNFL level that he, he can kick a bag. Um, but doing it at the AFL level um, hasn't done, happened too much for him probably since 2019 um, when he had that great year at GWS. Um, but, you know, he kicked kicking a bag of five, certainly. Um, and he looked pretty bloody stoked about it too. So um, just really good signs from the key forwards. Um, and Mitch Georgiades was working hard as well, a bit up the ground a little bit. Um, and, you know, he still hasn't quite found kind of that domineering force yet, but you know, he's still so young. And this is the thing, like Jeremy Finlayson's 26, so he's kind of in his, you know, close to his prime time. Todd Marshall's 23, still so much development. You know, big bodies just take longer to develop. So Todd Marshall having these kind of performances, um, you know, two bags of five after never doing it um, in the first six weeks of the season is a good sign. He's 23, still so got so much growth to do. 
still can bulk up their body a little bit more and um, just and and mature it a little bit just for the job. Um, and Georgiades, obviously, I think he's 20 or whatever. So, you know, just still so young when you think about it. Like, we feel like he's got, like, especially Marshall feels like he's been around for a long time, which he has in a way. Um, but, yeah, he's at 23, he's still got so much growth to come. And same with George Yardy's being even younger. Um, so, you know, it, it begs the question about where, where Charlie's going to fit. You know, someone's going to have to drop out um, when because he, he will come back in. You know, and, 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 you know, he's he's earned the right to come back in and see if he can and then hold down a spot. And then, you know, whatever happens with his form, but hopefully he comes back in and dominates like we the, the Charlie we know and love. Um, but yeah, it's 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 fun to start thinking about those questions in a positive sense rather than the negative of like who the, who the fuck are we going to drop because all of them are shit or anything like that. Um, we're starting to see a bit more of uh, the positive side of what they can all do and have a positive selection headache um, provided, you know, knock on wood, there's no injuries and all that kind of stuff. So really good signs out of the forward line, um, you know, this week and, and, and last week too in the second half, um, you know, following on from the Carlton, um, almost come back as well. So, yeah, really uh, positive stuff from the forward line and um, and long may it continue. Um, that's the real, that's the, there's, there's the thing is consistency is the thing, is, you know, because Marshall kicked five in the showdown and um, was a little bit quiet the last couple of weeks again and then um, comes back, pops back up with uh, five again this week. So he's just going to start finding his way into kicking at least two to three goals a game. Um, we've got to find the, you know, get the ball to him because he, he had 11 marks, 14 disposals, uh, five goals, you know, Get, if you can get um, your key forward to be taking eight or more marks a game, that's going to be a real, uh, you know, you're going a long way to a win when you get one of those guys um, and then, you know, everyone else around and gets their share of the ball too. And, you know, if your key forward, if they're able to take those kind of marks, it's going to open up, you know, it's going to open up the forward line too when they if they're having that kind of impact because then it'll, it'll um, force the defense to do different things, open things up for other players as well. And um, and yeah, that's just what we want to see is that that dynamic forward line working a bit more. And and certainly we saw Marshall and Finlayson and and a few others uh, because of that kind of forward line working well. You know, here they'll get finding their way, leading into space. Um, and midfielders and um, half forwards and everyone were actually picking targets, which was wonderful to see as well. You saw Rosie and, and, and they were measuring kicks. And Kane Farrell, um, his beautiful kick has, has just been sorely missed. Um, Carl Amon coming into the side and um, getting it, um, you know, uh, obviously was dropped going in, but was going to be the medical sub. And um, Bergman was a late, Miles Bergman, a late out with an illness, non-COVID, just illness of some sort. So Amon came in um, and probably probably came in and held down his spot, which is good. We need to see more. We need to see AA, AA Amon, um, All-Australian Amon from last year again. Um, and hopefully, you know, whatever the, the rumours and the off-field stuff or whatever, um, you know, off-field, I mean, trade trade or uh, free agency stuff, not anything sinister off-field. Um, but, yeah, you know, keep that all that stuff in the background and um, just to, um, have Amon come in and do his job is wonderful. Um. Probably I'm yawn. Oh, I am trying to. I'm suppressing a few yawns. I'm uh, just as an interlude here. People who follow on the socials have, have seen, but um, I was not at the match on the weekend. Um, I can't remember if I mentioned on the preview or not. My brother got married on um Saturday night or Saturday afternoon night. I was groomsman, uh, so my entire weekend was uh, groomsman duties. I had took Friday off work. Um, and basically from 7 o'clock through about f- 7 a.m. through 5 p.m. we're helping, you know, bridal party and like we're setting up the wedding venue, 
helping do all that stuff, which was um, a fair bit of just stacking the fridge with copious amounts of alcohol. Um, my brother's nickname is Froffies. Um, it's been a nickname since high school. Um, a well-known, it's, it's one of those, you know, you know people that have nicknames that really stick and are part of them. That's Froffies for him, so that's his nickname. So clearly there's going to be a few um, a few Froffies <laughs> consumed at the wedding. Um, and yeah, so the wedding was on Saturday afternoon. And again, Saturday was a long day. Photos started at 8, um, getting ready and all that stuff. So you know, Friday, Saturday... Um, and then, you know, the, the wedding was wonderful. Um, and obviously, the, the ceremony was at 3.30. No, it was 4. So, the game kind of started right when um, the ceremony finished. So, I was, I was kind of keeping up. But then, you know, photos and catching up with people, family, all that stuff. Um, I was, But we were walking out into a, a field, kind of as golden hour, a beautiful time of night. Um, the sunset over the, the plains near Freeling were... Um, um, really, really wonderful, um, beautiful, perfect for pictures and all that stuff. And kind of had a quick look at the score and saw it. And I think it was when we were eight, you know, eight four to one goal four or whatever it was at the time. I went, oh, for fuck's sake, thank God. <laughs> I was almost afraid to check for a little while just to see anything. I'd had someone briefly mention that we were tied up at um, eight points apiece at quarter time. And I was like, oh, great. You know, that's that's just normal, isn't it? Really, just a slow start and whatever. But, you know, to check the scores a little bit later and see how far up we were, a beautiful relief and um and kind of set the night up nicely for myself to uh and to um overindulge on a lot of um the the alcohol i'd helped stack in the fridge the day before um and then yeah there's a couple of port fans at the wedding that were kind of um updating me on things one bloke who um took part there was 60 bottles of champagne purchased for this wedding and there was a couple of my brother's friends who took it upon themselves to make sure that it almost Every bottle of champagne got drunk, and they got through. There was one bottle of champagne out of the 60 um, left um, the next morning when they went to pack up. And that, that is alongside the bottles of Riesling, Sav Blanc, um, Cab Sav, Shiraz, uh, <laughs> um, and the um, 12 cartons of beer and the and the few five cartons of cider. All that stuff got a pretty heavy dent in it, as well as the 60 bottles of champagne. I don't know how they did it. Um, they didn't turn up to the hour. Uh, we had a... Um, drinks at Greenock Brewery on um, Sunday afternoon to kind of just, you know, wind down after the the weekend. Um, the people that took part in the um, drinking of the all the champagne did not turn up on Sunday. Um, apparently they were in pretty rough shape. So, you know, drink responsibly, people. Do not try to get through six bottles of champagne, but I was also impressed with the effort all the same. Um, one of them being a Port fan, um, good lad, uh, he uh, was um, very excitedly and somewhat slurringly um, updating me repeatedly. <laughs> I think he told me about Connor Rosie's night um, about five times, um, like telling me like it was the first time he told me. He's <laughs> like, Connor Rosie, Dream Team. And he's yeah, we're talking fantasy f- football as well because we're in the same league. Um, but yeah, so that is a good way of um, segueing into Connor Rosie's night. Um, Connor Rosie in midfield needs to keep happening. Um, that is pretty clear after I think um, Carlton, he, he kind of, you, you found him grow into the game in the Carlton game and he ran through the middle a bit more and, and, and a full-time job in the midfield on um, Saturday uh, was just, you could see the awakening of Connor Rosie in that moment. Um, certain things like you know, a little bit more like, and I look at I look back at, you know, the body, body of Travis Boak um, in his early years. You know, Travis Boak, when you look back at some of those photos of him in his first year season or two, absolute string bean. Now you look at him and he's this well-built, um, just the prototypical midfielder. Um, so Rosie, uh, you know, and this is the thing with um, 
you know, just human genetics. He's still got time to grow into it and, and bulk up just a little bit. Um, but you just you could just see, and my theory on this is kind of that uh, it's not that Rosie hasn't wanted, you know, because sometimes, and you know, the, the knock from these the cynics and and some of the douchebags and the um the nuffies on Twitter that come up, that get, that get into the mentions and want to talk about kind of Rosie, uh, the marshmallow. Um, I think we we've all dealt with this bloke before, anyway. Um, it's been kind of a. a, a an effort and consistency and kind of, um, you know, it's effort and consistency kind of rolled into one. But it's not that I've ever doubted that Rosie wants to put the effort in. It's just that kind of high half forward role, mid, midfielder and half forward role thing really just doesn't work. Some, especially when that you know that they want to play more midfield. It just doesn't really work because they're kind of, they're in no man's land. And we saw this as Travis spoke a few years ago when we tried, you know, doing, and when we were trying to put him out to pasture before we realise that he's an inhuman freak of nature that we, we love and adore and and um, would die for. Um, you know, when Travis Bogue was doing that kind of role a few years ago, you just saw his, his impact limited and, he, and he, he kind of just looked a little bit listless and, and not that he didn't want to put the effort in or not that the effort wasn't there. It's just it felt like he was a little bit unsure of where, not that, he, not I trust that Travis Spoke knew what his role was at the time too, but I guess he didn't. Like it's just, it wasn't a role that he felt completely comfortable in. So when you're not completely comfortable, you can't do everything. You know, you need to be in the position that absolutely um, takes advantage of of your um, of your you know scientifically you know Darwin you know um, evolutionary gifts that you know whatever the the you know millions of years of evolution that have boiled down to the particular body that you have been born with, the skills and everything that have come with your life and upbringing and everything you've done to grow into that role, you need the role given to you that can absolutely take advantage of that to the utmost. And and Rosie just clearly um, took the role on the weekend and, and ran with it, you know, just with an incredible 31 um, disposal performance. Uh, you know, just you could see his thrust through midfield, his run, his he just you just saw an extra s- a spring in his step because he had the role. He he felt trusted, and you know trust and all those kind of things and that confidence that comes with that, uh, just you know came out with this, this wonderful performance. Obviously, I was just talking about Travis Spoke and that half forward role and all, all that stuff from a few years ago. He obviously he had the most disposals and they were thirty four. So he again just evergreen and wonderful and and we're so lucky to have him. Um. Still at this club, um, just a wonderful, wonderful uh, player and one of the best to ever do it, um, Travis Bogue. But, yeah, no, Rosie is the future and, and guys like him getting through the midfield. Um, on the flip side of that coin is that Butters probably had a quiet night going through the midfield. But, you know, this is the thing is like Butters and, and Rosie's not going to do this every week. Hopefully, Actually, hopefully he does. But, you know, there will be teething problems. And when you're trying to throw two guys through there, you know, Butters kind of just was... Um, a little bit more of the outside looking in at times. You know, Butters, you can never doubt his... Um, his effort, and sometimes you know, there's a few times where Butters just got fucking absolutely poleaxed, run over the top of, or just you know got himself in the wrong situation, and 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 a little bit of a and pain due to that. You know, probably Butters' main main thing at the moment we need to, and it's not something you want to coach out of because I think um, Butters part of what makes him so special as a player is just his um, incredible ability to um, make contests and and play bigger than he is. And uh, and that's part of what and and then obviously brings some incredibly incredible silky skill into that. 
uh, when he's when he does. Um, but you know, part you know, it's a little bit we probably but as and this is only something he can do himself because you don't never want to coach um, coach that kind of a tenacity out of them. But he he's just got to hone his um, decision making as far as when he puts that you you know he exerts the absolute tenacity that sometimes he does and you know gets himself run over and. And in situations where you see him come up sore, uh, you just want to, he, you know, and that's something that comes with time. I think, you know, the likes of Gavin Wanganin had to learn that as a young player too because, you know, the rubber man thing with Wanganin in the early 90s and, and, you know, injuries came with that a little bit and he had to learn how to hone his game because, you know, if he could if you could just throw yourself into things without having to worry about injury, it would be great. But you do have to hone your game a little bit based on how you play um, to make sure you don't, Put yourself in unnecessary situations. Um, injuries will happen, but all that stuff. Yeah. So Butters, Butters' game wasn't, you know, the Butters that we know and love. But uh, he, you know, it'll it'll happen for him. You know, we're we're, we're mixing things up a little bit. We obviously Ollie Wines come back this week week as well. Thirty three disposals for Ollie after the heart scare and all that stuff. It's great to see him back and playing good footy. Um, a goal in the last quarter, just a running kind of midfielder's goal, was a nice cherry on top for um, Wines coming back kind of looked a little bit more close to that kind of, you know, still hasn't quite hit the Brownlow winning heights of last year. Um, but, you know, he's getting, he looks a bit closer to it than he did the first few weeks. So hopefully whatever the heart scare thing was um, is well behind him and um, we can see him grow into the season as well as we are at the moment as a club. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, um, but as a side, I think the midfield, I love Willem Drew's um, role as always. He had a great night. Um, you know, I really think he's an unsung hero. Um, obviously, Port Adelaide fans are well well attuned to what Willem Drew can do, but um, you know, and I'm I'm happy for him to remain an underdog because it's good to have those kind of guys in your team as well. Um, yeah, Dan Houston had a great night as well, kind of playing up the ground a bit more. Um, you know, really, you know, he's 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 kind of and now I, I mentioned before Kane Farrell, um, his kick. Um, I mean, I said in the preview, and it's been said by many many people um, in the Port uh, Port fan base and and Port media and Port people. Uh, Kane Farrell was just one of the best kicks in the game, and um, you know another beautiful goal. Uh, just quintessential Kane Farrell is the way he can, the what he can do with the ball. Um, yeah, it's just, just it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like a, I assume it's, <laughs> it's, it's uh, close to maybe what we were watching, what Doctor J, you know, Julius Irving, uh, back in the glory days of the, you know, well, I mean the ABA, but then the seventy six is just kind of just a beauty with the ball. Um, that uh, is quintessentially them, uh, and I think that's what uh, Kane Farrell has when he uh, when he when he kicks for goal, and uh, especially those ones you know kind of running in, on an angle and all that kind of stuff, as well as just his his ability to um, direct the ball and run and carry and all that stuff. So incredible performance from him as well. Um, the last one to touch on um, uh, defensively, uh, obviously <laughs> we held them to one goal up until three quarter time. Uh, really great effort from all the boys back there. Um, that can't say too much more than that. Um, they obviously didn't have a whole lot to do in the sense of absolute, um, you know, dynamic threats from all directions from West Coast because they really weren't doing a whole lot. But um, they did their job, and that's the main thing. Um, Lear kind of came up limping at one point, um, but he, he ran out the game, and I think he's fine. Um, so that's good. He's got a couple of games under his belt now, and um, he still needs to... You can still see he's not quite um, reading the game as well as he was at the at the absolute peak of his powers last year. But um, if we can just keep him injury free and, and and grow into the season as we all are at the moment, then that would be wonderful. So, 
Um, yeah, but the last one to touch on, um, I'm really stoked to be able to talk about this one because I did talk about it in the preview, um, how much, how excited I was to see Sam Hayes make his debut. Um, and, and I talked a lot about his tap work and the kind of things that he will bring to his ruck. And, and he absolutely did um, on the weekend. He His tap work was just wonderful. Well, just elite. It was just elite um, for a guy making his first game. Obviously... Um, um, sorry, not his first game, but um, you know, just his first kind of real big dominating game. Sorry, you know, I've I, he debuted against Carlton. I'm just completely forgetting about that because I was just so excited to talk about this game. But um, you know, got for a bloke in his second game, um, the tap work he, he absolutely monstered the hitouts, uh, monstered the monstered that you know helped us get first hands to the ball and dominate clearances. I'll get to the stats in a little bit, but um, just his overall uh, work around the ground. Um, you know, he's still got a he's got a lot to learn about um, kind of just um, impact beyond that kind of stuff. But he he was um, yeah, just a, elite tap work. Um, seen a lot of people comment comment on it um, during the game and after as well. Just the kind of stuff that you you really need. You giving your um, midfielders absolute. Um, first use of the ball and all that kind of stuff, and and that's just part of that's just such a big part of the battle. Um, is just getting um, real good um, quality touch on the ball, first use from the from the clearance and the stoppage and all that stuff. So, um, really happy with Sam Hayes' work. Obviously, coming up against a couple of inexperienced ruckmen um, on the West Coast side, but you can only play who is in front of you, and he's in his, sec- his second game as well. So, for him to do that, it's kind of like um, a microcosm of Port Adelaide's whole dominating West Coast. You're going to play who's in front of you, but if you absolutely, absolutely dominate, then that's a still a good sign of where you're going. And I think Sam Hayes really showed that as well. So, really cool to see him have such a big game. He'll have a pretty stern test this week, but um, you can only, you know, that's that's what we need. And he has been playing at the, he's been playing against um, grown men for a few years now at the SNFL level. He's not like he's um, been, you know, just floating around at under 18s level or anything. He's been um, playing. Um, grown man's football for a while, so um, he's ready. To, he's ready to make that step, and I think he re- had a really good, um, you know, kind of first big game, big ruck game this week. So really good to see. Alrighty, so the stats. We'll have a brief look at it. It's not really going to be um, a whole lot of telling stuff as far as you know, looking into a close game or anything, because we just dominated. 403 disposals to 327 for the match. Um, it was uh, pretty close to the Eagles' average for the season, but um, it was 20 more disposals and 23 more than our average for the season. So really good to see. Um, dominated, obviously, with that. Um, 231 kicks to 195. 172 ambles to 132. Inside 50s, absolutely monster. 65 to 34 in the inside 50s. So that was 12 more than our average for the season and, and six less than theirs. So we, we were able to keep their supply out of their 50 a bit more than they're used to and absolutely um, and um, kick clear of our um, average. So that was great to see uh, that we were getting so much ball inside 50, but quality use inside 50 as well. A disposal efficiency ran at almost 76% for the match. Inside 50 at 47.7% for the match. So, um, you know, it was just really good to see that we were um, able to effectively use the ball with it going inside 50 with so many um, opportunities. At, oh, excuse me, I've just um, had a couple of sips of the old Pirate Lives out there. Really stoked that it's getting into cool, cool weather season, which obviously means we're getting into the guts of the footy season. But it also means Pirate Life got their 500 mil um, stout cans back out, which is just uh, one of my favourites. Um, Dad's Army Bar out at Alberton, I think, still has um, got the uh, Pirate Life stout design on there. So a little little port, port link there, obviously, from the sponsor. Not spon- They're not sponsoring me. I just fucking want, I saw the stout on the shelf at the, the local Angus Park Cellars in Neriopter this afternoon. So I had to grab a four-pack to have, a, have one while I... Do this. Um, another sip. 
uh, so hit outs. Um, I was talking briefly in more general terms about uh, Sam Hayes before, but yeah, 54 hit outs uh, for the match for the club. So um, I can't, I'm actually just fine Sam Hayes for a second here. Um, because he, uh, just got to find his name in the list here. Um, do, 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 do. Hit outs, there we go. So yeah, Sam Hayes for the match had 47. So 47 hit outs for Sam Hayes. Um, absolutely incredible effort. Um, the best effort on the, um, you know, he, he dominated, um, you know, best effort for, um, West Coast was 17 for Bailey Williams and Aaron Stern and Dika. Oh, they, they, oh, fuck me. Not even gonna bother. Um, but yeah, um, there's seventeen for Williams and and the other bloke was nine. So you know, for Sam, he's absolutely just monster. So forty seven for him for the match to um, make up um, fifty uh, forty seven of the fifty four hitouts we had, uh, which meant clearances uh, we had a forty five to thirty three um, uh, advantage on clearances, which uh, at center clearance was the particular point where we really got um, quite great quality first use was sixteen to five in the center clearance. Um, so. Um, really just dominated at the centre clearances, which um, helped set up the result um, and at the stoppage pretty even. But um, contested possession's been one that we've really been um, pretty poor on uh, lately. Uh, but we were 147 to 113. Obviously, West Coast, again, they just didn't seem up for the contest. But we certainly dominated and made sure that they knew that they were being absolutely outclassed at every every turn. And again, it made for an 84-point win, uh, which obviously, as I said before, we want to be winning. If we're going to have a team not want to turn up against us, then let's make sure we put their... Put them to the sword, which we did. Um, so 105 to 85 for marks on the on the day. 19 marks inside 50 to 8, which is really, um, really a wonderful, a wonderful stat to be um, have. Because I, I remember we still go back to that uh, that Melbourne game where I think we only had three marks inside 50, and in the last couple of weeks we've really stepped that stepped that up and started ticking the average up. So. 19 marks inside 50 for this one, really um, a great a great sign again for, um, you know, even just confidence in the forward line for them to start seeing some things work and take that into the games we're going to be up against tougher defensive defensive structures, at least if we've got um, a little bit of something to look back on and say, oh, all right, we did this well, we did this well, um, we can take this into this game and see what we can do against it, a little bit of a tougher uh, defensive structure. So, yeah, um, really wonderful, um, you know, a great, great um, day all round for the Port Boys. Um, really stoked with it. Um, like I said, there's a lot of good performances to look look back on, and a lot of things that we can take forward. And now I'm um, going into a cut week, a couple of weeks of um, tough matchups, but um, ones that we can take a lot more confidence going forward in now. Um, yeah, I'm, I was really uh, can't say much more about it than than just stoked with that performance. Um, we all know we've had it in us, but uh, I think it's really important that we put this team to the sword. I said in pre- my preview, I would have been happy with a 30-odd point win just to get a win on the board. But um, certainly uh, when you see the kind of how West Coast turned up and, and, and really didn't have much to um, fire at us that, you know, it's um, it's rough to be on the other side of it. But if, you, if you're a team that's good, um, as we think our team is, you want to be putting those teams to the sword and really getting those percentage boosters, which is what we did. And that's all you can ask for. I can't... You know, I can't ask for much more than that in that game. Isolated in that game, you know, wider season stuff. We still need to see more out of this team, um, and the and the real test will be um, a first test coming up this week. At, um, St Kilda up at Kazali's up in Cairns, uh, far north Queensland. 
Uh, it's going to be an interesting one, that. We'll preview that in a couple of, probably Friday morning, I'll record that one and get that one out. So once we know what the sides are and maybe a bit more about what the weather's going to be doing up in Cairns, so that'll be interesting. But uh, yeah, um, win one's on the board. Owen is fucked off, and I hope to never see him again. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, we were on the board um, where we shot up the ladder by a few points um, with the percentage helping. So, um, yeah, can't be more happy with that. Let's keep this moving. Win one to the board. Um, now it's time to really see where the season can go. Um, I think when you see that kind of footy and the kind of players, and the kind of players we still have to come back in, um, you can see a team that if we can get ourselves just in, I think, you know, obviously top four is out of, out of the question. I think for me at the moment, I assume, you know, mathematically you could still be there, but we'd have to almost, you know, run the table from this point. That's not going to happen. But if we can get ourselves into a run of form that we're winning more games than we're losing um, and, and get ourselves in a position where we can just get into the top eight um, and we've got our side fit and playing good footy, you know, you never know what can happen. So... That's what our aim's got to be now. Be positive, um, look forward, um, and see what we can do in the next couple of weeks and, and find ourselves, um, build a springboard to get the season going, um, especially going into the second half of the season. So, yeah. Um, oh, of course. I didn't want to finish this one off without um, absolutely being um, fucking wrapped for um, Aaron Phillips. Um, obviously, this is... This is um, kind of like a mere formality that she was going to... I think everyone knew as soon as Port got uh, um, assigned a women's team. Erin Phillips had a one, you know, was running down the end of her contract with um, Adelaide. It all was just stars aligning. We knew it was happening. She's come out today with some wonderful words. Um, obviously, um, so, you know, the AFLW season finished and, and today Port Adelaide put out um, the official announcement that Erin Phillips was going to be... is was our inaugural player signing for the... Um, AFL women's side um, that will be starting play, which um, according to Aaron Phillips was an AFL 360 tonight. And um, when they asked the question about, um, uh, Robbo and Jared asked the question about when she thinks the season is starting, is it starting in August? Um, does she have any no- knowledge about it? She kind of said her word to her, well, it's pretty much unofficially official at this point, it seems. Um, we don't know when it's starting yet, but we, we're all kind of working towards an August start. So, Looks like we might be getting to see um, Aaron Phillips in Port Adelaide Colours actually in a few months, which is wonderful, although um, you can obviously debate the um, the unfortunate, um, well, I guess, um, still the second-class citizen kind of st- uh, treatment the AFL ladies, women's ladies get in the sense that there's such a short turnaround and, and it's kind of an idea that's only come around in the last few months and they, they should have at least given a year's notice kind of that they were going to do this change in timing for... The season, now, certainly, I think the women want to be at that time. There's more into the traditional footy time of year, but it's uh, it's unfair on them to just throw that at them without a proper planning going forward. So, yes, we can de- debate that all we want, but um, and I certainly land on the side of the players, obviously. Uh, but um, with that in mind, it looks like we could be seeing her in her port colours a lot sooner, and um, and she. Had a lot of words today about how proud she is to, um, you know, how it's a dream come true. Um, that she's, you know, ever since she was a kid, living and breathing Port Adelaide with her dad, um, obviously Greg Phillips and the Port great, um, playing for, you know, she's in all those photos that came out today with her, you know, the trophy on her head, um, in the side of the '92 Premiership photo of Nathan Buckley and all that kind of stuff. You know, she's been around. She's been. She's part of the club's fabric for a long, long time. Um, little little hiatus at Adelaide, um, you know, notwithstanding. And, you know, she had great success there and um, all the credit to her for um, taking the opportunity when, you know, when we didn't have a side in yet. Um, but, uh, 
it's um, a great testament to our culture and um, the love that she has for us still that, you know, the first chance she had to uh, jump ship to come across to us. Um, and this, and she's clearly stated today that that's where her heart is, that the, it was a dream to play for Port Adelaide. Um, you know, she even said, you know, um, when the team was, you know, when the AFLW was first announced and Port didn't come in, she thought that dream had passed her by and now that's come, she's absolutely stoked. Even if it was one game that she played for Port, um, she'd, it would absolutely be dreams come true kind of territory for her so um it's really wonderful to see her at the club um and and wonderful for us fans you know when you see her talking about the club with such reverence you know how much how much she's um stoked to wear the colors and honored and and all that stuff to wear the colors um you know wearing number 22 in honor of her dad uh, dad's number playing for port adelaide all these things she's saying and, and and talking about the club and how it gave her goosebumps to put the colors on it shows that even in all this time at Adelaide, that this is the this is the place that still has her heart. Alberton is home, is what she said. You know, she's coming home. She feels like she's coming home. Um, it's wonderful, and and you know, you hear her words and see how much it means to her, and in turn, it means so much to us as well. That this player is coming. Uh, you know, this wonderful champion of Australian sport, really. And she's a two-time WNBA title winner. You know, she's done it at the in, at the best level of basketball um, in the world. She's done it. And now she's doing it um, at, at, in the AFL, and she's doing it for us now. Um, everything's coming full circle. Everything's coming up. It's wonderful. Um, I'm really, I really can't wait to see them play um, that first game and see her running out in the colours. It'll certainly it'll bring a tear to my eye to see that. Um, and that's what's wonderful about this club um, that we have this kind of history and this rich culture, and we can bring someone back and, and welcome them with open arms. Um, in in this way, and um, and have her continue the legacy, the family legacy. There's so many families and legacies that are tied into Port Adelaide history, our rich, um, almost 152 year history um, that she's very much a part of. And she's um, and again, it's um, another another chapter in this long long book of history in the making for Port Adelaide. Um, and she's just um, a new a, a new and very very wonderfully important chapter um, being written in in the book of Port Adelaide um, with her. Coming on board, um, so it's wonderful um, that she's come on board to join um, Lauren Arnell as our inaugural coach, um, and and certainly um, you know two very great figures of the AFLW world in Lauren Arnell and obviously Aaron Phillips, um, you know, on board now, and um, I'll try to do a bit more content, um, uh, you know, um, looking at the AFLW side as we start getting players announced. So. I'll try to do maybe an episode next week where I actually talk more about it just as an isolated thing. But just at the end of this episode, I wanted to say, um, you know, just how happy I am. That that's officially official now. We knew it was happening, but you know, it's officially official. So, yeah, calm the pair. I can't wait to fucking yell that um, when I'm watching Erin Phillips do her thing on the field at Alberton as well. So, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, a great win as well for our Port boys uh, this weekend and, um, and a great win off the field for our Port ladies as well. So, all around a good couple of days for Port Adelaide. Let's fucking go. That's me out. Cheers.